pull up a seat to the edge table with Nicole Biscotti and Melissa Seiboff. Welcome. We're so glad that you've decided to pull up a seat to the edge table. I'm Melissa Sidebotham, and I'm here with my good friend, Nicole. Hi, I'm Nicole Biscotti. The Edge Table is a place for parents and educators to share ideas and perspectives. Today, we had scheduled our intro episode. However, with what's going on in the world today, we feel that this has become more of a critical conversation. Today, we're going to discuss what's on the hearts and minds of parents and educators and how what we're dealing with as a global community at the moment has impacted education and children. Let me go ahead and introduce our guest panelist today. Let's go ahead and start with Evan Whitehead. He is a district administrator from Chicago. Hi, Evan. Hi, how are you? Thanks thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And then next up, we have Becky, and she is a parent from uh, Washington State. Hi, thanks for having me on. As you guys listen um, out in the audience, if you have any questions at all, you can always tag us on Twitter at the hashtag pull up a seat or submit a question to our forum at theedutable.com. On the website, you will you will find a growing repository of articles and videos about topics that are important for today's parents and educators. We always want to make sure we're keeping that conversation going. Our first question today is, we want to know from where you're standing as a parent or an educator or both, what does the situation look like for you? Evan, if you could start. Sure. So um, I would say it's it's a definitely a different time. You know, this is some um, uncharted territory and waters. Um, we're in an unprecedented time for education. And um, I would say that it's it's going to really uh, test us and stretch us a little bit in terms of our thinking, our mindset, um, and also um, looking at the way that we educate our students um, in the future. And also another big component is the way in which that we um, build rapport relationships with our families as well. Um, this is really going to be a situation where we're going to test um, each other and we're going to, we're going to see what um, truly what we're made of and, and, the amount of sincerity and empathy that we have for one another. Absolutely. I definitely agree with you that this is the time that we really more than ever need to look at coming together um, for the best, the best interest of our children. Melissa, from where you're standing as a principal and as a mother, what does the situation look like for you? It is um, alternately very exciting and terrifying all at the same time because the entire experience of education as we know it has been completely turned on its ear. So we really have to focus on reimagining what that education experience is going to look like, both as parents and as educators. And uh, I think the bottom line is we, if we don't come together as parents and educators, we, we can't make this work. So what we're doing right now is is so important. Absolutely. I think you're right that it's more critical than ever to really take a really good look at education and how we can improve things moving forward and how education is able to morph from 
in the building to online and what we're learning as we do that process. Becky, from where you're standing as a mother, I believe you have two children in middle school and high school. What does the situation look like for you? Yes, I do. I have a son who's in seventh grade and a daughter who's a sophomore in high school. And, you know, I think I was really stressed out when word came that we were going to online classes because I also work uh, full-time as well. So I am actually home now, uh, working from home and watching both of my kids. They're old enough where they don't necessarily need to be watched, but um, we're at the place that I work has asked everybody to work from home if they can. And so we're going to start our online learning uh, next week. And so the teachers have been in contact with us uh, via phone, text, and emails. And I've been really appreciative of that. And the information has sort of been trickling in as they know what they're doing. Because as I understand it, the teachers and the educators have been meeting this week to prepare to start online classes next week. And um, I was a little stressed out at the beginning, but I've actually started to kind of lean into it and to relax a little bit and to breathe. And um, so I'm feeling, I'm feeling optimistic about it. I think it's interesting um, what you're talking, what you're mentioning is very interesting because as we have had to move to an online learning model, really parents are largely becoming homeschoolers and without any preparation, any time to process um, people that homeschool do so for a various, um, you know, a variety of reasons. However, they've thought through the process and they've decided to do that. Whereas all of a sudden we're kind of saying, okay, so here we go, America, you're going to do your job um, at home. So it's going to look differently and you're going to homeschool as well. And I think that that's um, a very difficult transition for parents. And as educators, our role is temporarily changing just a little bit from being the primary educator to maybe also being a support for parents as they take this on. Absolutely. Um, Let's go ahead and move into question number two. And given what's going on right now in the world, uh, what in the broader scope is on your mind about education, maybe kind of in the longer haul down the road? Nicole, do you have anything you want to share about that? Yes, I do. I've been thinking a lot about how online learning has been around for a while. It's primarily been used in um, in college, at the college level. Many adults have taken courses online. And really for the K through 12 level, 12, 12 um, grades, it's either been as an alternative program or it's been more of a supplemental piece. But we haven't actually, in, in most cases, had to rely on online learning. And I think that having to do so so abruptly is really, um, at the end of the day, a very expensive learning um, opportunity for us. Expensive, I say, because it's at the cost of a lot of stress probably to kids and parents and educators. However, when all the dust settles and everything is um, calmer, we we have an opportunity to really look at what worked, what didn't work, what inequalities um, become blurringly obvious. So I think that this is a really relevant um, learning piece for us. Absolutely. Um, Evan, she brings up an interesting point about, you know, the different maybe flaws in our systems that this could bring to light. What, What opinions do you have around that? 
Well, I think that um, this time has really magnified some of the challenges that we have in our education system and some of the deficits. Um, for example, you know, equity issues are now coming to light and they're magnified, correct? As we talk about um, virtual or online learning, you know, questions such as internet access, um, access to a mobile device, mobile devices that are, that are going to be compatible for the platforms that we're looking to utilize for communication. Um, also, as we talk about bandwidth and internet access, you know, uh, just just a week ago, we we may think we we were able to think that possibly, you know, if you don't have internet access, you may be able to go to your local library, but that's no longer a reality anymore. Um, you know, even even the use of schools that are one to one in terms of devices. You know, this this brings up another challenge and because some not all schools have students that are able to take their devices home. Um, they may be one to one, but it's in the building in school. But now, you know, they have to look at how do we provide devices to all students so they could, um, you know, take those home and utilize them. The other part is that, um, you know, as we talk about challenges for students, you know, now in the perspective, if you think about it, you know, students that have had special needs, students that have had, you know, learning challenges, maybe even behavioral challenges, you know, they never kind of fit the mold. Right. And now that's the norm for every student. You know, their 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 world is being turned upside down and it's not what they're used to and they don't fit. And um, it's really bringing light to the to the idea of personalized learning, uh, differentiated instruction. Um, using different learning um, modes um, and and ways to reach reach children and students, and also um, the other challenge is now that that's being magnified is the fact that you know this social emotional component that a lot of us have spoken about and talked about the need for social emotional learning and social emotional competencies, you know, for students, but also for adults. Now it's kind of coming to light that we have this situation that's a crisis. Um, you know, it is a traumatic situation and things, things, things that are happening um, have happened so quick and so rapidly, you know, we, we need to be mindful of the social emotional component. And one of the biggest things about empathy and understanding what that means for another person right now, what they're going through. Even though that may be, you know, for me, I may be stable and everything may be going well and great, but that's not necessarily for my colleagues, um, maybe not necessarily for, you know, if I'm an administrator, for the teachers that I that I oversee and definitely for the families that are that are experiencing this because they have a lot going on as well. So I just, you know, it's good. We need to be mindful of that. Um, and everything that we do, because that's going to be the foundation that's going to carry us over during this time. And then also once this does end and we have to transition back to whatever the new normal is going to be, we need to be mindful of that as well. I think it's really interesting how you you point out that that next transition is going to be yet another new normal. And, and that could be an additional layer of of trauma, if you will. So I think being trauma informed and, and, and using those tools, those social and emotional tools in our practice is, is truly very important. Um, let's go ahead and hop over to Becky right now. Um, tell us about what 
what your thoughts are about education with what's going on in, in the world. Well, my heart really does go out to the kids with um, special needs in the classroom because, you know, they do need extra help and different kinds of help. And, and, and I know a lot of my friends who have children with special needs really rely on the expertise of the educators and the educational system, and they rely a lot on them just to get through their day. Um, but speaking for my own family, um, I'm kind of thinking my son might really enjoy <laughs> learning from home because he's one that doesn't necessarily fit into a regular classroom. He's always struggled with um, sitting still and focusing on um, things that are not necessarily um, movement-based. And so he's having an opportunity at home to do a project and then to get up and get around and move around and do things other than, you know, something in the classroom. So it's a little less structured for him. And then he can sit back down and then do another project because he does actually have a book report due this week. And I'm noticing that he's really thriving in that environment. Um, so that's kind of interesting to see. I'm like, wow, huh. I'm going to have a hard time maybe getting him back in. <laughs> so that's kind of fascinating to me a little bit. Whereas my other child, my daughter, is very classroom focused. She she thrives in that environment. And she's certainly struggling being at home, especially with her brother. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's it's a challenge. I keep reminding them every single day that we're in this together and that they're going to have something to tell their kids about someday. And this is this is historic. And so I think it's kind of an exciting time in a way because they're going through something huge that is going to shape not just them personally, but this entire generation. And I think that's really exciting. There certainly is um, a possibility, the opportunity rather for learning um, because you're right. We are having very unique circumstances. I find it interesting that you mentioned that one of your kids um, prefers to learn from home. My son, Jason, has ADHD, um, and he's thrilled because all he ever asks me to do is to homeschool him. So now he's he's getting his wish. Whereas my daughters that just turned 11, the twins, are extremely social and um, are getting a little stir crazy. <laughs> There's some moments here where, where people get a little frustrated in my house. But um, overall, it's been an opportunity for some great family time. I wanted to move into the next question and talk about the barriers that people face in com in their communication between parents and educators. Um, Evan, what do you see as some of the barriers? As a and I'd love for you to speak from your experience as a district administrator, as an educator, and also as a dad. Sure. So, um, you know, for for as a from a parent perspective. Um, I would say that I've been very fortunate in the communication that I've received from um, the school districts of my of my son and daughter. Um, they've been very transparent and um, you know communicated you know fairly well given all the all the circumstances. And um, I'm grateful for that. You know we we you know we've always had a great line of communication in our community in terms of our school district. They they always. You know, the foundation has been for them to um, really work on this family community engagement. It's kind of like one of their one of their pillars, so to speak, of what they're doing. So in times like this, 
you know, they have that social capital, if you if you if you know, if you'd like to use that term so that now they have an opportunity to make a withdrawal. You know, we put the deposits in, but now they can make a withdrawal with that. So parents are a lot more understanding, flexible um, in what's going on. They, you know, they use uh, multiple modes of communication to get the to get the messages out. And, um, you know, so far it's going well. As, a, as an administrator, you know, um, in my in my district that I work, you know, we've been doing a lot of work as well. And, and you know, we've always had a really good rapport with the parents and families. They trust us. Um, you know, they they know that we're doing what's best for their children. And we've really taken a focus of being that community center and community hub during this time. So, you know, we're doing things like most folks are, you know, providing breakfast and lunch, you know, grab and go for for students that have, you know, so they can come and get, you know, consistency in terms of their meals, you know, for our, for our students that are making um, mental homeless eligible. You know, we continue to send um, cabs to wherever they're they're living to to pick them up, bring them to school, and then take them back to um, you know where they're staying right now. Even if that means that their time at the building just to come and see familiar faces with principal, teachers, you know, administrators, you know, uh, office staff. If that's some type of consistency for them, and even though like the ride itself round trip may be longer than they're actually at school, you know, we're doing things like that to reach out and make sure that we're there for them. Um, we're using multiple modes of communication um, through email uh, messages, mass messages. We're using um, automated phone calls. We're using other platforms to communicate and um you know, the last two days we've been using um, one of the virtual um, platforms to have some communication where we've just had, you know, groups of teachers, students and parents you know, uh, participate in virtual online communication just to kind of build that 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 piece of, you know, what we're here for you. Um, you know, we're all going through this together. And once again, going back to looking at that component of making everyone feel that um, that they can be safe and, and we're going through this together. So we, we do a lot for that. And we're, and we're also trying to make a balance between the communication that we have with parents so that we're not overdoing it with the communication so that there's so much that's in transition right now, um, making sure that we balance um, the amount of communication and what we put out, because we also don't want to you know, create any unintentional angst by um, having to change the message so much that it's 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 causing more harm than good. That certainly makes sense. It is a balancing act. I know a lot of people, myself included, have felt like at times the, for example, the messages from the media are a little bit overwhelming, um, and we're getting a lot of information, and things are happening very quickly and changing quickly in regards to our jobs, in regards to our children's schools, in regards to um, local um, states of emergency, et cetera, and measures. So it is it is a lot. So I think that's very considerate that you guys are looking at sort of a balance between keeping parents informed, but also not trying to inundate them more. Becky, what has, um, in your experience, what are the barriers that people are facing? Excuse me, I'm sorry, Melissa. What is... Um, what are the barriers that people face in communication between parents and educators? Well, I think, you know, before we were looking at, at the situation we're currently in, 
there are lots of things that stand in the way. And it can be a lack of understanding. It can be a little bit of fear. There can be mistrust. Uh, there, all of those things can really stand in the way for effective communication between educators and parents. But right now, what I'm seeing is because we're facing a, you know, this, this global pandemic, people are really offering each other a lot more grace and they're, they're truly seeing the humanity in everybody around them. And I think that it has opened up that communication between parents and educators. I was listening to Evan talk about how, you know, kids have been able to be, you know, take a cab and come to school to see familiar faces. And out here in California, we are, we're under a shelter in place order. And so, you know, we, we cannot go to our school. The school is completely locked up and and completely empty. And, you know, I, I was surprised at my reaction when he was talking about that. I, I, I started to get a little choked up, but um, we have really been taking a lot of advantage of different online platforms like Zoom, which which has been phenomenal by by opening up its platform, especially to teachers to make sure that they can have free accounts so that they can they can have this online learning opportunity. But I was able to pop into several different grade levels as they had their Zoom meetings today. And I could really see on the faces of the children how much they were craving not only to see their teacher and hear their teacher, but they were craving each other. And uh, they're depending on the grade level, you could see parents in the background and you could see some of that relief and some reassurance. They were feeling reassured by being able to be a part of that community. Uh, so so that, those are the kind of the things that are on my mind that way. That makes sense. I think that one thing that's really been hard as a teacher to, um, to convey to my students is a sense of community because we don't have that physical classroom community right now. And because we weren't in an online format prior, we haven't established that online either. So I've been looking at ways, maybe playing Kahoot remotely or trying to find other ways where we can kind of be a, a group. Because I think that during isolation, social distancing, um, and all this fear and anxiety that's floating around, we definitely need that more than ever. Becky, what, what do you feel are the barriers that people face um, right now in the communication between parents and educators? Well, I mean, just pretty much the obvious. We can't we can't go in to meet with our teachers. We can't see the educators. We can't see the other students in our classrooms. So, and that, we don't know when that is going to be lifted. So I think, and it's really interesting that you were talking about community because I'm trying to build community in my home because we're used to seeing each other at the end of our day and sharing um, our individual lives. But now our individual lives are becoming a community life. And so I was kind of trying to talk to my kids about that today where, you know, we definitely need like an hour to ourselves, at least sometimes, you know, to go into our rooms, maybe read quietly, have a little bit of space from each other, but our lives are no longer separate. (laughs) 
<laughs> we are we are here. And so I think that building communities in the home is all is equally important, if not maybe more important than the kids building the communities in the classrooms because that's because this is where they are. And and it brings to light really, yes, we're a family, yes, we're tight knit, but we didn't share all these hours every day together. And so that's a whole different realm, a completely different reality. And it's been surprising. It's been interesting for sure. And we'll see how it goes. Nicole, can I just jump in for for a quick second around that piece of community? Uh, there are there are some there's some positives about living in a small town. Uh, we have this this uh, Facebook mommy group online, and they put out a shamrock walk on St. Patrick's Day, and and it's continuing to move forward. and And I thought this was just a beautiful way for us to to come together as a community. And so what they did was they said, okay, if you've got kids, have them draw and color and cut out a shamrock and put it up in your window because you, even if even in the shelter in place we can go outside to to walk a dog or or to get a little extra exercise to go around the block and things so when you're on that walk with your children you can look around the street and count how many shamrocks are up in the windows as you go around. And I thought that was genius. So my my young son and son and I went ahead and put a shamrock outside. And when we went on our walk, we were able to count and I think we saw like six. And but it was equally as fun to look out the window and see other other families in the neighborhood count our shamrock. And it it made people, you know, from a safe distance be able to to see you in the window and smile and wave. And it was kind of a neat way to build community within your own neighborhood. So that was neat. So, uh, let's go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just, I was thinking of the people in Italy that through all the tragedy that they're experiencing, you keep, I keep reading stories about how they're singing in the windows and um, people in Spain playing bingo through the windows of the apartments to one another. Oh, isn't that fantastic? It is. It's nice. I love to it. That, that human spirit persevere on, right? I love that. Absolutely. And as a mom, yeah. I hope to see more of that. So why don't we go ahead and and shift gears a little bit um, and talk about that support piece? Because I think right now, given our our daily situations, we really need to offer support as educators to parents. But I also think that it's going to be equally as important for us as parents to offer that support to educators. So, Nicole, can you share a little bit about your thoughts on that, both as a mom and as an educator? Yes. You know, I've one thing that I found, I keep looking for the blessings, the silver linings, is that um, I had a conversation with my son Jason's teacher um, this evening while I was cooking that was the most interesting conversation I've ever had with a woman. It had nothing to do with a complaint about Jason's behavior um, or a test that was going to happen or his report card. She literally just called me to see how I was doing and how the kids were. And we just chatted and I learned so much about her in this conversation. And I think that like Evan was talking about that social capital. I think that this Mm -hmm. is schools we can look at. We don't give our 
we don't give people a chance to become related. There's not that much unstructured opportunities to just chat and, and to just kind of share. So I think that um, one way that we can definitely support one another is by reaching out and checking in. Um, and I think that what you said earlier about grace plays a huge role. Because in all honesty, parents are not homeschoolers. They did not go to school for this. They largely didn't even decide to do this. So as educators, we have to have grace and realize that, as Evan was saying earlier, not everybody has access to the same um, technology or um, resources. And not. And I'd like to expand on that as well. Not only resources, but not everybody has a desk in their house. Not everybody has a quiet place. Um, not everyone's home is able to con- be converted into a classroom right now. So um, just giving each other that grace and reaching out. And I think also, you know, one thing that my principal mentioned today in an email, because we were discussing um, a policy that they had put into place, and then it was not really working that well. And he said, mm-hmm. thank you for the feedback, because only that way do I know that it's not working. So I think we have to be very communicative, respectfully at the moment, and um, realize that we're really all figuring this out together. I think that's so key. As I as I go into you know district meeting or meeting with my staff or or talking with individual parents, that feedback piece is crucial because we are. I I heard somebody say in one of my meetings today, we are we're flying the plane as we're building it. And I think, you know, we are all in that, that same place. And without getting that feedback from all of the stakeholders, you know, the parents, the kids, the teachers, the people writing curriculum, everybody, uh, we, we won't be able to course correct. And if we can't course correct, we will not be successful. So I think, I think that's a really key piece. How about you, Evan? What are your thoughts on this? Evan, are you there? Yep, I'm here. So um, there, I have many thoughts on this, but I, I will want to go back to some of the um, earlier things I talked about in terms of this foundation with this social emotional piece for everyone. And, um, you know, when you talk about support, it's really supporting one, you know, one another. And, and, and where are we going to put that support and what does it look like? Right. The, some of the ideas around compassion, right. And true love and giving grace and empathy, right. It all comes into play now because, you know, this is a time that's new for everybody. And we need to really think about what are we doing during our, doing our daily lives and what have we done to prepare us for this? Um, you know, for some of you that, that may know, I've talked about my three B's balance boundaries and breaks. And it's really critical right now that we do that, right? Because, um, we need to balance our time and our, in, in our efforts and what we're doing. We can't do everything in one day, right? Our, 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 our children and our students won't be able to cram everything in one day, right? We can't fix everything in one day. It's not going to pat, you know, uh, it's not going to change in one day. We really need to think about that and, and finding time in our lives to do, to balance things out. Um, you know, also with our boundaries, you know, we're, we're, everyone's practicing and implementing, you know, um, social distancing and what that means, you know, 
But there's also another part of social distancing that has to do with some of the other emotional component that people rely on. You know, um, my son in particular, he's very social. This is this is this is a challenging time for him. He's the type of kid that would not miss school for anything. But now, you know, he can't have that that interaction with his friends and his classmates. It's tough for him. You know, right now, uh, my daughter's a little different. She's more she's more flexible. She likes the idea of being able to um, do schoolwork from home. And then us, and then as adults and as parents, um, you know, our boundaries as well. Like we're being tested. You know, if you if you're not used to working from home, and um, it's a little different. Um, if you're you know having everyone in the house and and not realizing how much time you're spending with each other, you know, we got to find time to create some of those boundaries for ourselves so we can take time out. And then it breaks. You know, we all need to take time and pause. You know, this is the best time to work on um, meditating if we have not done it yet, to work on some mindfulness and being present, even if it's only a couple minutes, like every hour. Break up your day, you know, break up the break, break up the day for your children, for their students. It doesn't have to you don't have to try to have a six hour school day because there's going to be, you know, the reality is this is going to go on for a long time. And we have to try to set up some type of schedule that's going to be conducive for, um, you know, a balanced social, emotional and academically. So, you know, find time to take a pause, take a recess, a brain break, all these things. It's okay. It's okay to do that and build that in first without having to worry about some of the other things, because, you know, we have to make sure that that we're ready um, to take this on as it does. And we're and we're being the best for for ourselves so we can be the best for others. I think those are excellent points, Evan. And it, it makes me think of, of another little thing where it's important for us to, to recognize the emotions that, that bubble up because we are going to be, we are under a tremendous amount of stress and there is a lot of fear. And so, and, and there can be anger that comes out as a result of this. And it's not all going to be roses. So I think that it's it's very important for us to be able to recognize those emotions in ourselves, also recognize them in those around us, and and again work together to to help each other through those things. And so let's let's switch over to Becky and see, you know, how do you think that or how could educators really support you as a parent during this time? They could come to my house. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) You know what? And that's actually, that's actually a very common thread that I've been hearing from parents at my school. You know, they, they obviously recognize that that can't happen, but they're like, if somehow I could magically zap you here and that would be great. Yeah. So, I'm sorry. Continue on. <laughs> no, I'd meet them. I'd stay six feet away from them. I'd ask whatever, <laughs> whatever they wanted. I would do. <laughs> but I know that they can't do that. And I actually, my heart just goes out to the teachers because I, I know I'm working from home and I'm working remotely and I can see the challenges um, with my job. And I can't even imagine trying to connect with anywhere between 20 to hundreds of students if you're looking at middle school and high school teachers. So my heart really goes out to the teachers and um, and the administration. So I think, I think really, I believe that the teachers have the kids' best interest at heart. And so I think it's really important 
to um, support the teachers as a parent. That said, I think I think that a lot of you guys have brought up some really good points about students that need that extra care, and you know the ones that don't have the computers. And if school districts can um, check out laptops, they absolutely should. If they have that ability to do that, our school district is doing that this week, and parents are able to go to the schools, or we're able. Uh, they're going to be delivering laptops to homes of families that can't get to the schools and they're going to check those out during the duration. And I just think that's amazing. But, but those kids, they do need that support. And, and again, like the, the food, the kids that rely on the, the lunches and everything, that's, those are the, those are the families that I'm the most concerned about. And, um, and I think that we need to support the teachers who are supporting those kids. And so, yeah, I mean, whatever we can do just to be kind to one another. I think that's the most important thing right now. And also a sense of humor goes a really long way. So as long as we can continue to find the humor in some of this stuff, I think the better. Very, very true. Thanks for, for, for pointing that out because I think that we all can get bogged down in, in how serious this is and how, how, fearful we we might be feeling and gosh darn it laughter really is the best medicine and we we need to make sure that we're getting a healthy dose of that every day too i think that's true i don't think fear is ever a a good place to go in any situation um and i think when we make decisions based on fear that's 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 a hard hard place to come from so as much as we can alleviate that i think we should Definitely a great point, considering especially that we're living in times that are kind of scary. So that's fear is a very real part of of this pandemic and and what people are feeling. So it's um it's interesting that we we brought up those ways to to look at that and to um, handle the situation better. And Evan, thank you for your suggestions as well. For sure, I feel that we have unintentionally changed school forever in the last couple of weeks because of the changes that have been imposed upon our education system. And one thing that I'm excited about is the opportunity for parents and teachers to move past structured conversations like parent-teacher conferences and, um, you know, scheduled events like coffee with the principal at 9 a.m. and things like that to having real dialogue which is really what the edge table is all about. So obviously that's very in line with our mission. And I'm wondering going forward, now that we've kind of broken the mold, if you will, because we're not in our, our traditional roles anymore, how do you think that we can continue this into real dialogue? Evan, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think um, one way is to really garner true authentic feedback from all of our stakeholders and start with, the students, right? Um, what we're seeing now, in my opinion, is truly the adults that are having more um, angst and challenges about how education is going to change versus the students. You know, they've been doing everything virtually anyway. This is their world. They're the ones that are used to that. We were the ones that were kind of um, pushing our way of learning on them because it was comfortable for us. So I think we really need to think about the students and, and in terms of, you know, how they learn, the ways they learn, and also how, how can we become um, facilitators of learning 
versus just providing direct instruction so much because, you know, the young people have a lot of answers. The other part is that, you know, as as education systems and, and, and teachers, this is really a great opportunity where we can, um, you know, move forward into being very innovative, um, thought provoking and changing the way that we've done business that will help all of our students be successful for the rest of this 20 for rest of this 20 the rest of the 21st century and beyond. I think those are really excellent points, Evan. And I, I like what you're saying because basically I'm looking at this as having broken the mold in terms of our communication, but you're right. It's broken the mold in so many places and given us an opportunity to learn and rebuild stronger. Melissa, what are your thoughts about um, how we can continue this kind of wave of different communication and move towards more authentic partnership? Well, when when you were talking earlier about the conversation that you were able to have with your son's teacher, just you know, having her talk to you and ask you how you were doing and how your children are doing, I think that's probably the best place to start because it was solely focused on the relationship. And once you build that, you have a true authentic relationship, whether it's with your students in the classroom, whether it's the parents and families, or whether it's within your, your staff or, or um, your coworkers. I think that authenticity and that genuine relationship building is the foundation for it all. Definitely. And I, I think we're all in a very vulnerable place, right? Because none of us really know how to proceed or, or how things are going to be from day to day. So maybe just that vulnerability opens a space for us to be more authentic with one another. Becky, what are your thoughts about how we can move um, from the parents' perspective about how we can move more towards a real dialogue and partnership coming out of this? Well, again, I'd like to reiterate that I love that the teacher called you, <clears throat> excuse me, um, to see how you were doing. I you know, coffee with the principal at 9am is great, but I can never go to that because I'm a working parent. So in, I mean, I don't know if anybody's ever said this, but it makes me feel bad <laughs> that I can't go to, I can't I always refer to it. Me too, Becky. I'm with you. I never could go to one of them. Yeah. And then you're like the mom who's not there, you know, and you're just like, Oh, and so it, I liked, I have a couple teachers, um, you know, in my kids past that have checked in on me and have asked how we're doing. And oftentimes it's through email, which is fine. I get that because I'm working at my desk and, you know, email is probably the best way to get a hold of me in some ways because I can't really take a personal call, even though to me, my kids' education is not like a personal matter. I think it's just as important as anything else in my day, if not more important, but I can't necessarily hop on the phone in my office where I share an office with two other people. So when I get an email from a teacher kind of letting me know what's going on, especially, you know, if my kid's falling behind or they're not doing what they're supposed to be, I really, really appreciate getting that heads up so that I can um, support the teacher and support my kid at home and um and still keep the conversation going. So I really do like those little reach outs. Um and I'm sure that, you know, coffee with the principal's probably awesome. <laughs> Maybe someday I'll get to go. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <they're> <laughs> 
So yeah, just those personal. Well, as a well, as a principal, I certainly hope that somebody enjoys it because <laughs> I know that I do. Um, but I do recognize that not everybody can come and we have to find lots of other ways to have people have that access point for sure. So I know that we are are starting to run a little short on time. So I just wanted to to jump in and say thank you so much to everybody here on our panel today. Nicole, you've been amazing. Um, Evan, thank you so much for your perspective. And you know what? It's really been a pleasure to have you on, Becky, as our parent representative. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, you. thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yes, I would also like to thank all of you. And also just to acknowledge that with everything that's going on right now, for you guys to have taken the time to to dedicate to this project really means a lot. Thank you very much. This is and, a high point in my day. <laughs> well, that's awesome. <laughs> it's the highlight of our day as well, but we're educators, so <laughs> we're glad to see that you've <laughs> Thank you all for pulling up a seat today and being part of our show. Please reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram at, at the edutable. We would love to hear from you. We really do love to hear from you, by the way. The more voices that we hear from, the more diverse and rich the conversation becomes. Also, please remember to check out our articles and videos on our website at theedutable.com and to subscribe so that we can deliver all of this original content right to your inbox. Thank you for listening, and remember that children always benefit when parents and educators work together. <laughs>